Welcome back to this week's Welcome. episode. I'm Ash. I'm Chip. And this is Moon. Woo. Uh, how are you doing? Um, I think outside of being noticeably sick, yeah. um, I'm doing pretty good. Now, I'd say the, the cons are I feel slightly miserable, <laughs> but I think the pros are, which it always happens like this, is that my voice sounds better, so... Yeah, I love my sick voice. My sick voice is awesome. Because my sick voice is all like deep and raspy and I'm just like, why can't I sound like that all the time? Yeah. I yeah. It's I mean, just... I'm sick a lot though, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you could get it more Sometimes than I Sometimes it works it. out that way. But yeah, so um, that's kind of where I'm at. What about you? Um, I'm feeling good. I am going to be on a like Twitch talk, so- talk show. Wow. Uh, the next ba-na, ba-na, two ba-na, weeks. Yeah, so I'm going to be on this uh, show. It's called Twin Tarot. Tarot, like tarot, but tarot. Um, what? Wait. I don't get it. Like tarot cards. Tarot, tarot cards? Tarot cards, yeah. But I feel like whenever I hear tarot, I always think of the bread. You think so, of tarot root. Yeah. And so Coco it's yam. confusing for me. Oh, well, they've both probably been around for the same amount of time. I mean, you can also be twin taros. Mm, twin tarot buns. But yeah, so I'm going to be on their little podcast and it's talking about mental health. So I'm excited to dive into my mental health journey because I do know that it is a story that a lot of people could probably benefit from. Because I mean, you girl crazy. Yeah, and there are a lot of people out there who are crazy. Yeah, you know, you're not alone. For Good and Black this week, uh, Miss America, Miss USA, and Miss Teen USA are all black women. That's awesome. And that is probably the first time in history that this has ever happened, that all of them are black and like beautiful and just living their best lives. But shout out to Nia Franklin and Chelsea Christ and Kaylee Garris. Um, who are all just like stunning, beautiful women out here giving little girls like the Barbie goals that they deserve. Yeah, I completely agree. Because if we're honest, Miss America, Miss Universe, well, Miss Teen USA, Miss USA, and Teen USA, those women have always been black women. Uh, okay. They've they've just never competed. gotten their shine. Um, well, yeah, no, they have competed. So it's 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 good to see people get the roses while they can still smell them. It's good to see people yeah. being recognized for who they are. And um, yeah, Miss America's always been a black woman. Like, yeah, <laughs> Miss Miss America. Honestly, there's there's probably no way to represent this in the as positive of a light as it needs to be right but like the black woman is the mascot of america so why don't they call it miss americas well you already know they're not trying to include the canadians they're not trying to include the mexicans so is they're miss not america trying just to... basically miss usa then like because yes. i don't because i get miss usa i understand that title but Miss America, not plural. It's like, well, which one are you talking about? Miss North America, oh, Miss South America. Well, that's a. You know, because like if it's Americas. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. I I haven't explored the nomenclature yeah, behind the titling system, to look that up. but um, that would be interesting. In 
not to my knowledge, which I don't have much of in this yeah, subject. Not. None. But um, I yeah, M- Miss America. Right. So that like means that's that a weird they, title. They rep. Okay, so here here's what I think it is, Miss America. Yes, this this okay, Miss America is the woman representing the United States amongst other women from different countries. Okay. This is this is my soft guess. Okay. Miss USA comes from the battle of the states, if you will. Now, you would think, I'm yeah. thinking as I'm saying it, wouldn't Miss right. USA I mean, maybe Miss USA is being just a lower tier. Miss America, which is possible. Like maybe it's like a less pressure competition. Yeah, because they maybe they don't compete on the international yeah. scale or circuit. I don't know. I don't know, guys. If you know, please let us know. Shout I'm out very, to these women. Very curious to know. Yeah. And um, Miss Kaylee Garris is just who is Miss Teen USA. She's adorable. Yeah. Like that's with her totally cute true. little afro. I'm just like, please make a doll of her so that I can give it to my baby. Yeah. Get that American girl doll. Oh my they goodness. Need to, they need to sign the contract yeah, yesterday. Because I will buy Natalia like 10 of them. You see her and she makes you smile yes oh my goodness just so happy so shout out to all these women for being examples and also a uh, shout out to if you black and a mom you yeah which nice segue because this week is going to be our kind of mom episode so there's not going to be a for the culture we're just going to talk about an article that I read. You are appreciated. Uh, yeah. Shout out Don't to Tupac you know for appreciating his you. mama. Um, but an article by Danny McLean on The Nation uh, titled, As a Black Mother, My Parenting is Always Political. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And a quote that really stood out from the article, she said, To care for, protect, and prepare our children for adulthood Black moms cannot merely accept the world as it is. That's right. So the article goes into her experience as a single black mother raising a young black girl in 2019. Um, It talks a lot about the political points that affect motherhood. So like the fact that black women are more likely to die in pregnancy and childbirth. Um, The fact that other mothering while it happens in almost every other culture except for traditionally white culture, um, it's looked down upon which other mothering is being raised by people in the family other than the mom, usually because the mom has to work. Um, And the article also talks about the fact that before the emancipation, children of slave women um, were considered someone else's property. Right. Even though this, being came from your existence it technically by law was not yours and so it just talks about the fact that like moms or black mothers have always had to fight for their right to be mothers um and it was just a really good article and she talks about you know her experience with her daughter um and just raising her to kind of be aware of i guess where they're at politically And the fact that she is a black mom doesn't have the luxury to just like stick her head in the sand. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of like our talking point from this. Yeah, I know that with you sort of. Well, the title of that article is as a black mother, my parenting is always political as a product of black mothering. Mm -hmm. 
I know that I know this to be true because some of my earliest memories of conversations with my mother were around things that then I didn't understand what politics were or what it meant to be political. But then looking back on those conversations, they're incredibly political because having those contexts in a contemporary or having those conversations in a contemporary context, um, they're all super serious issues nowadays. Like the two earliest lessons that I got from my mother, which is, they're not strange, but if you know me, you could probably see how this shaped the person that I am. But the first one was that no woman's body belongs to me. Right. She's like, hey, and this was when I was six, six or seven years old. Uh, I remember it. We were in the parking lot of the High Park Neighborhood Club. <laughs> and she said, look, there's no no girl's body belongs to you. You know, their bodies belong to them. And so you do not touch a woman or approach them without their permission or consent because your body belongs to you and their bodies belong to them. At six, you're probably like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Like you get the very general concept, but like at six, you're probably like, Huh? But that's cool that it's like ingrained. Yeah, it was it was totally ingrained. And so flash forward, fast forward to things in th- that were happening like in eighth grade. So we're talking seven years later. Um, things that were happening the that at that box. time around me became incredibly jarring because for the past seven years at that point, this is something that had been ingrained in my head. And so seeing other kids like... Like slap seeing, girls butts in yeah, the like, like seeing that was other like boys thing. like like slap girls butts in the hallway or like touch them and things like that, it would just like raise the hairs on yeah. my neck because I was just like, well, y'all wild. This is incredibly wrong, but they made it seem like it was so much fun and like the thing to do that. Like there were a lot of times where I wanted to do it, but in my heart of hearts, I felt wrong doing it because it's oh, like. So you never were like a butt slapper. No, I, I really wasn't. Like I I wanted to be, but it was it's, very 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 hard. It's infuriating for me because that was like like the first thing my mom like said. Hey, we're gonna have a conversation about this. Right. And you need to know this now. Was that like? Did she give you that talk like before the sex talk? Um. Well, of course, because I was like six. Well, I mean, you never know nowadays. You gotta start. Yeah, but the sex talk was just kind of like a more grown-up version of that talk. But um, yeah. So at that time, I remember thinking, like, wow, these people are really out here wilding because they're doing this, and they don't they don't know that. And so even though I was, that was something that I wanted to do and something that I wanted to participate in because of the people I was around. Um. Like I felt it felt negative and bad to me to, um, you know, kind of push that that line. And um, also because I am a large black male, which is very, very obvious when people see me. He's six, six. Yeah. And like 350 pounds, like I'm the size of most. I'm like the average size of a professional athlete um, in American sports. But even as a kid, like in eighth grade. I was six feet tall, 200 pounds. Mm. Um, 
Lord. I have my my oldest younger brother is seven years younger than me, oh, and he didn't <laughs> little Mark. He never or he didn't get a growth spurt really until right before college. Yeah, like and when so, he was basically grown. Right, and so our size difference was always very very large. And so my mother told me at a very young age, because he's a kid, I'm an older kid, there were times where communicatively we just didn't really yeah. like get along. And I'm like, I'm just going to beat this kid up. Like, he's not listening to me. Oh, you'll understand these uh, oh, yeah, Oh, yeah, he's, he's going to understand these hands. And so we get into these situations where I'm like, hey, I told you not to say that. So if you say that again, I'm going to hit you. And then he's just the type of person where he's going to say it and I'm the type of person where I'm going to hit you, you know? And so, um, because my mother being both of our mothers was like one, the conversation that I need to have with you is going to highlight your experience in the world, which is even though you're a kid now and you don't, you don't understand the full context of this, you being a large black man, you don't have the luxury or inhabiting a large black body you don't have the luxury of being angry or violent out in the world because people in that space already see you as such. Right. And if you give them that with your actions, it puts you in a very vulnerable situation. And I remember thinking for so long. It's not that big a deal, Mom. Well, no. I was thinking that it was unfair that I had to bear the weight of being a large black male when I just wanted to like hit my brother in the face for being stupid. You know, like that was kind of the the deal was that I want to hit my brother for being stupid, but I can't because I'm a large black male in society that views me as violent mm-hmm. and angry and wants to take advantage of me and use those opportunities to take my life away. Right. And so where these things kind of played out is that my mother having this conversation with me didn't like give me incredible control, but it always gave me something to come back to when I would get very angry is that the reason why I can't express myself like in high school, I ended up being around a bunch of white people. It's like, I can't express myself the way these white kids are expressing themselves because if they express themselves, you know, like F you mom and you know, like all of that stuff or, you know, just get in each other's faces and start fights and things like that. Their humanity is never going to be taken away from them because they're viewed neutrally as people. But for me, and this came up in a very big and kind of public way in high school was that I almost got into a really, really big fight. And my mom telling me these things and them being on me was one of, that was like the biggest reason why that didn't happen. So publicly Mm. it looked differently. Right. But the way it played out was because of what my mother told me and what happened was uh, I was on the football team I grew up playing soccer when I transferred school schools. Everyone who I didn't like was on the soccer team. So I decided not to play soccer and then ended up being kind of scouted by the football coach. Cause of they, course. you know, they see me and I'm like a very large the black. Bill. Yeah. I'm the bill. And what they don't know is that I've never played football before <laughs> in my <laughs> entire funny. life. Um, but uh long story short on a bus ride home, people were making fun of each other. I was making fun of this white guy he got really upset. Like making fun or like roasting? 
Cause Definitely being roasting. from Chicago, those yeah. are like two different those things. Those are two different things. Being from Chicago, I was, I was going then. But they didn't really do that out there. <laughs> they weren't ready. Yeah, they really weren't weren't ready for that. And so this person being from where they were from, which was Suburbia. Uh kind of, but this person was actually not from like the suburbs there. Mm. They're kind of from one of the, the poor white suburbs. So gotcha. you know, they were not about to let their whiteness also, be taken yeah, away. Well, they were sensitive. You know, yeah, exactly. Very sensitive, which in retrospect had I been a better person at that time, yeah, what I would have not said the things that right. I said. But um, he's like, then we just got to fight. You know, as oh. soon as we get off this bus, we're going to go over here and we're going to fight. And I was like, oh, poor kid. Well, I mean, I was thinking my first thought was because I am naturally inclined towards violence. Like I enjoy violence. I like those things. I was like, OK, this is great. I haven't been in a fight in a long time. You know, like people are going to be watching, you know, this kid doesn't know that I've taken martial arts for for years that, you know, I've been in lots of fights as a kid. You know, everyone sees me as nice, but you have very large cousins. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just like, okay, I'm very ready to fight this hundred and fifty pound, you know, white guy uh, being, you know, six, three. 250 at like this time twice his size basically yeah and so i was very very ready it's crazy but then thinking of it contextually i had to have a real sort of come to jesus moment <laughs> with myself and the lessons my mother taught me which was you were in a white environment okay their space they you were in their space they already see you as this way if you show out they are going to use this opportunity to take things away from you that would otherwise just be yours normally. And mm-hmm. it, it got me so mad that I had to kind of bear this weight that everyone just saw me like crying in anger for like three hours because I'm like, I want to fight this person. Wait, three hours? Yeah. How? Because we got back to the school and I had to wait to get picked up and not like fight this person. So I had to avoid them. I had to not be around people who wanted us to fight. Mm. And then I had to wait until someone could come and get me so that I could go home, Mm. which was very, very challenging. So, you know, people just see me like angry and I'm crying and they're like, you ready to fight? And I'm just like, I can't, I can't fight this. I can't do this. I really can't do this. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, whether we, if we fought, whether I won or lost, it still would have been a loss. It still would have been a loss, which would have been, you know, one of the biggest blackest kids in the school mm. got into a fight with one of these white kids. You would have and, got suspended or gotten some ch- or and or gotten some like charges from the parents. Definitely. I mean, you know, knowing who my mom is, they would have also got some. Oh, charges yeah. They and, weren't ready. Yeah. They, like... they weren't ready for that. Uh, but, you know, the general speaking yeah. was that it would have been really, really crazy because that school could not have handled that situation yeah um it would have it would have been handled the way it would have been handled right now that school surprisingly was very very progressive and after the fact i was like awarded on the low for not doing that because that was against what everyone expected and then my high school experience after that moment became incredibly different Mm. and even though it felt like i had taken 
an L in not fighting this person. Um, kind of the other stuff ended up becoming much, much better. So even though I had to like hold that weight on me that my mom put on me years ago, uh, it, it turned out being really, really, it, it worked out for my well being. Right. And so the political aspect of mothering, it's like, I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine because now it's, it's like coming up in our lives because we have children, Yeah. but seeing them and thinking that these teachable moments are to protect them from a world that they can't protect themselves from. Right. And so the parenting, the teachable moment is to protect them. Yeah. You know, the parenting isn't just to sort of edify. This is, you know, just you're becoming a a kid to an older kid. You know, it's it's not just that stuff. It's like, well, the world is dangerous and it's, and it's targeting you and I have to protect you from being targeted. I mean, at least not when you're black, you can't like just let your child grow up unknowingly. No way. They need to be very aware of their spaces and stuff. I mean, even now I have to teach John Mark, like, cause he's built in the same way as chip like he has a very strong temper and a very sharp fuse and so once that bad boy goes off he just goes off and he doesn't necessarily understand this but he is dense and he is large and while natalia is almost twice his height she cannot take him yeah and so i have to like let him know like hey buddy you're angry and it's okay to be angry, but what you're not going to do is like put your hands on your sister. You know, what you're not going to do is throw a tantrum. What you're not going to do is react in anger. Um, and I teach him like where the safe spaces are to be angry, which is like, you can go be angry in your room, like in your bed. Um, and you know, at it, for, for a three year old, that's hard. But I think that, similarly to what your mom did like that's going to help him um just be prepared for like the life he's about to go into because it's crazy yeah it is like i've always known that i was black and i didn't know why it was important for me to know that but my mom made sure to to let me know like you were black you were in a black body like you were a black male people view you like this these are the things that you are up against like as a kid who can't actually act on those things but yeah or even have like a full understanding of what that means because kids for a very long time until they're taught otherwise don't necessarily care about race because of who children are naturally who people are naturally yeah so like they try to understand parts of it you know and they try to like not justified it, but they try to like understand it, I guess. Like Natalia, she's four. And if she sees someone who is Caucasian, she immediately tries to liken them or call them to someone else that she knows who ca- who's Caucasian just because that's what she knows. But she doesn't care. Like she, right. she, she's like, you can still be my friend. You can play with me. You know, um, we look different, but we could be friends. Like she says that. Um, but yeah, I never had that conversation like I don't think my parents weren't very political and so I never really had a conversation about my blackness I was taught it 
being similarly in white spaces in schools most of my life. Um, I was taught it, but it wasn't something that I was really like prepared for or sat down and talked about like, hey, you are black. These are these things. It was kind of just like something that I learned as I grew up. But now being a black mom myself, I'm like, I want to make sure my children are prepared for because I have to prepare and not accept the world, you know, like as it is. Because even similarly, like raising Natalia and her being or her one day becoming a black woman, like something I really want her to know is like similarly to what your mom taught you. Like her body is her own and no one has permission to touch it, you know, without her consent. Um, Because as like, you know, I was on the flip side of that. So like I remember being in eighth grade and being in the hallways and you know I've always been a a little thick curvy girl that's just been the way I've looked forever um and I remember having boys come up and like slap my butt in the hallways and feeling extremely violated and extremely unprotected because it was happening in a space that was technically supposed to be safe for me like you know, school's supposed to be a safe place. Right. People are supposed to be there to protect you and to help you. Um, and teachers, like, they weren't really... They can only do so much. Um, and so I want Natalia to know, like, look, that it's not okay. Because then it gets to a point, if you're not told that it's not okay for someone to touch your body without your consent, then it just kind of becomes the norm. Right. Um. And so I just, I just got used to it. It was just like, oh, that's just something that happens. And I didn't necessarily realize that it was harassment until, you know, I was an adult. But yeah, um, that article was really, really good. Another thing that she brought up, um, well, she didn't say it explicitly, but just, I guess, the healthcare system kind of <clears throat> failing black women and black moms. Mm-hmm. Um I personally have had an experience with this because I don't, I cannot confirm or deny whether it was done because of my race, but I can confirm that that's how I felt. (laughs) Um, But after having John Mark, I had postpartum psychosis and was like diagnosed with it from the doctor and things like that. Um, They set up a therapy, which for those who don't know, postpartum psychosis is kind of, the next stage after postpartum depression, which postpartum depression isn't just feeling blue or feeling sad. So I did have postpartum depression with Natalia. I didn't know because I was putting it in a box and thinking, well, I don't feel sad. It's just that the only thing I want to do is take care of my child. Anything outside of that, I'm not doing. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to shower. Like I was just not taking care of myself. Um, And I, I guess Chip saw that I was depressed, but I just wasn't in a place where I could see it. Then with John Mark, it got worse. And I, I was undeniably forced to deal with it because I was like seeing hallucinations. I would like look up and have visions of John Mark, um, just like being dead, even though I knew he wasn't, but he would be in front of my face, like mangled and all sorts of crazy shenanigans that were not any images that any parent should have to look at. And so I did bring it up with my doctor. My doctor said, okay, that's great that you brought it up. We are going to set you up with a therapist. And I remember thinking just because of the way I was raised, 
that I already didn't want to go see a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I just wasn't ready for that walk in my mental journey, but I wasn't there. But I was like, you know what? If this is going to be what's best for me and my family, I will, well, mostly for my family. I wasn't really thinking or caring about myself. But, you know, if this is going to be what's best for my two children and my husband. Mom brain. Yeah, I will do it. Um, so I went and the dude stood me up. I think I was there for like an hour, right? Uh, that's one of the few things I remember vividly from that time. <laughs> yeah. Is I was, I felt like I was <clears throat> trying to quell a flame after that because you were like, the one time. The one time. The one time. I do this thing that I really, really, really don't want to do yes. and that I'm supposed honesty, to do the I've one time. I probably needed therapy my entire life. I've just never sought after it. Right. I, I would agree to that. When the Lifetime special comes out, <laughs> it'll be incredibly obvious. When actually, like, when oh, my you biography this, comes out, it's you like know. you were born and then you needed a therapist. <laughs> okay. That's, God. That's, God. <laughs> Lord. That's, that's it right there. Yeah. But, Seriously. Yeah. I remember it was kind of like trying to convince you beforehand that you needed it this is like years before and then it's like yeah no and then we get to a point where you're like okay i'm gonna go this one time yeah and then they stood you up that time i was like man she may never go to a therapist ever again because of this yeah i was so i was so mad and i genuinely was like so this healthcare system don't even care about my mental well-being which i mean thankfully i was able to with the help of my husband pull myself out of it but like i just can't imagine the amount of women who aren't able to do that right and who then do fall victim to you know being more likely to pass away due to pregnancy or birth um, because birth complications don't stop after you physically have the baby. Like, right. all sorts of things happen afterwards. Well, you just gave a whole human's worth of hormones <laughs> out of your own that okay, you have been producing for almost a year. Out. Completely whacked out. And so, yeah, I mean, even the fact that we have to, like, make sure that we have people there to, like, advocate for us while we're, like giving birth because giving birth is supposed to be like a beautiful thing. Everyone in the room is supposed to be there to protect you because like, that's what they're paid to do. But for some people, it just doesn't happen that way. I mean, we were fortunate that super fortunate. Both of the places that we gave birth, like were safe, extremely safe places. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were even thinking about like when I gave birth to Natalia, we ended up getting like some weird, rare disease that you only get at the moment of childbirth. Um, yeah. And it could have been like, yeah, I don't know. It just could have been really bad had it gone any other way. Colic or something? Choreo. Choreo? Yeah. yeah. So it's basically, um, we we got like a, a disease just from being exposed for that long. Um, so we both were sick. Natalia was sick. She had a fever um, yeah. in the womb. I had a fever. And... Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And so like... I don't know. That was actually the only scary part about birth. Even though it was all happening. Is that, well, I don't know. It was probably the epidural. I was feeling great. <laughs> well, no, because right before. Oh, no, that was before the epidural. You were, yeah, like, I don't remember shaking that. shaking and, and your, your body temperature was changing rapidly. So you were, sh- oh, everyone in yeah. the room was normal. Was so cold. But you were like shaking furiously yeah. because your body temperature couldn't that was maintain crazy. itself. I was like, 
if something happens, I don't know what to do right now. Like, <laughs> oh, this goodness. Is, yeah, this is completely crazy. Been... So I was trying to keep it cool, but it was you did a definitely great job keeping really, it cool. really you scary. super cool. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Like, that's probably why you like went and snuck me food in afterwards. You probably just felt like so relieved or yeah, something. Yeah, I was like, I need to get out of here. This is yeah, crazy. Y'all. Yeah, shout out to, the, to the to the anesthesiologist Oni. Okay. I remember you. Wow. Her name was Oni. That's and crazy. And she, she had a really cool head wrap on and she's a part of the Penn C system. Shout there. out to Penn. Yeah. It was because they took really good care of me. You but Penn. not everyone's mm-hmm. that fortunate. Yeah. And we had a beautiful room. Nice window. Yeah. The pen relays were going on. It was actually a beautiful yeah, time a nice to have time. a baby. It yeah, nice it, was, it was a great time to have a baby. You know, we other than like surrounded. having a baby part, but like, right. <laughs> like the physical, actual physical having a baby. Auntie part. Phyllis hooking Ugh. it up. That was crazy. But yeah, just like that. And then other mothering, like being raised by, you know, people other than your mom. Like, I don't know. I know your mom worked a lot. And so you had like a lot of other people who were in there to help her parent. Um, yeah i never actually. really had that i don't think yeah i don't think i really had that i had a whole I mean, host of like help raising me. women babysitters yeah you know it was there was my mom there was miss hunter there was miss hester <laughs> uh, there was andra there's one that i'm thinking that i don't remember like i don't think you've said their name there yet. was aunt d mm-hmm. um who else was Whose house would you go to watch like you would watch commercials at the car commercials it's kind of where you picked up like knowing what cars are oh that was at mimi's crib no there was a lady (sighs) probably miss hunter honestly she was the oldest one i was there for a long time she would only let us watch channel 11 which was pbs here in chicago okay yeah only that was the only channel that yeah i mean i feel like that's the only channel we watched yeah it was only channel 11 yeah but i had a host of you know really awesome women around me kind of at all times um yeah surprisingly i the only man i was left with was my dad yeah yeah that was that was it and grandpa moody yeah you know that was that was really it for the for the earliest of years yeah which it's so weird for me to think that that's like looked down upon what um other mothering like you need when people say it takes a village yeah they 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 mean every child needs a bunch of women around them (laughs) in order to be a human that's that's what that means yeah and the fact that it's looked down upon i don't know it just doesn't seem conducive to survival (laughs) like because essentially what I don't know. I guess like you have a child and or like you get pregnant and kind of the first things that you start doing is like reading magazines, like looking at the blogs, you know, seeing what the mothering experience is like for other women. But the experience that's being told is primarily through a white lens. So you think that, okay, the way I'm supposed to raise my child is I'm supposed to be at home with my kids serving them and catering to my husband's or my spouse if you are lucky enough to have one um his every whim um i have to have everything perfect the house needs to be pinterest ready like i need to be doing super fun crafts and things like that and like nobody else is allowed to like parent my child or like nobody else is doing it which yes the responsibility does fall on the parents but like you said it does also take a village and a village of women <laughs> to help raise your child um 
and I mean, we're fortunate enough that I'm able to be home and raise our children, but a lot of women aren't afforded that and they should not be shamed for not being able to be afforded that because it doesn't work out like that for everyone. Right. It really doesn't. That's not the normal, that's not the normal experience. It's not. And like a lot of women have to go to work. Um, a lot of women are single mothers. And so the fact that you would shame a single mom for having other women raise, like help raise her child, it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's the job, not that I am a mother per se, but it's like (laughs) the job of a mother is to make sure that that child gets taken care of. Yeah. Whether I'm working or not. Right. And so whatever you got to do, if that means rounding up the troops. Okay. Then that mom will round up the troops. Yeah. You know, that's, there's, there's nothing wrong with making sure that that baby gets everything that they need. Yeah. Nothing wrong. It actually doesn't make sense that if you aren't able to do that, that you would just be struggling to do that by yourself. That's yeah. a, that, that's actually the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Like if you need help, is your job to get that help, whatever yeah. it is. If you need mental help, get the mental help. Okay. If you need physical help, get the physical help. If you need more people, like more resources, find, which isn't always the easiest thing, to find people you trust to yeah, be in your corner. Time. My but mom is actually some. like an expert at finding good people and so i just always had like anybody who i saw as a child with the exception of miss hunter just because she was old when i was a baby Mm -hmm. i could go to all these people right now and they're all incredible people who still love me like their own child but were there for my mom to help her through a rough time when she couldn't be everything to me at all times like get the help and I mean even knowing your mom like I would trust any person that your mom trusts just because of the type of person like that she is cause she's if if they but I'm like if anyone had done anything to me as a child they would not be alive yeah no I'm also like Hawkeye mom though so like any yeah, like the amount of people that I trust to be around my children and watch my children, and a lot of that is because of my own past experience. Like, I can count it on one hand. And we're not even talking family. It's like maybe two people. And I'm saying two to be generous. I to know be generous. one for sure. Um, but even that, it's like you got to have at least one other person in there. Like, you know, because I think when you do that, and the child is hearing similar messages from like that person in you. Um, like it reinforces it, you know? So like with Natalia, um, I really want her to grow up and be comfortable and love her black hair. Like I want her to be so in love with her hair that when kids start teasing her, she's like, I know y'all lying. I am popping. The only people I allow around her are people who reinforce that image. Like if you're telling my daughter anything crazy about her hair that she needs to cut it or dye it or get a relaxer on it, like, oh, okay, we do not align and you do not need to be around my child. Yeah, because those things matter long term. And it's super easy for me to cut someone off if it is a matter of of my child's safety, care, Health. or upbringing. Um, but yeah, I mean, like having a whole village around a child, there's especially to like a whole village to reinforce the things that you like 
want them to know and learn like there's nothing wrong with that man i'm like super charmed and really privileged like in, you all, are. in all the best way the funny thing is people are starting like, to tell me our, um... these things and it's it's becoming very strange to me yeah which um we'll have a really good i'll have a, a lot to talk about because i've had just kind of like an incredible childhood yeah uh, this is mother's we day episode polar opposites yeah <laughs> uh, father's day episode is also going to be super lit and so yeah yeah. Oh, my father. Yeah, I can talk for Father's Day. Fa- father's Day is gonna be Father's Day is gonna That's be super lit, also because I just have a great experience with with my dad. That's yeah, kinda, your dad's um, awesome. It's unlike I'm finding that it's unlike what most people experience. Most of your life is unlike what most people. Experience. Also true. People tell me like, I need to write a book. You're in like the ten percent of like. It's less than that. I'm I being generous. You. Yeah, it is. I'm it being is generous. super generous. Um. Yeah, which I like in thinking about my life as a lifetime movie. Like it's it'll just be funny, like the part where you come in because <laughs> my life is like a Disney movie where no one dies. Yeah, it's literally polar opposites. I'm just like this is crazy. Yeah, it's kind of weird because the more I meet other people and see how my parents fought in different ways for the things that they value to be implemented yeah. into my life it becomes more apparent to me that they kind of like fought to make a fantasy reality. And so my life is essentially like this weird fantasy that a lot of people don't get to experience and not, and and not like I'm a, I'm a trillionaire and you know, I could do whatever I want, but you know, like not to take anything away from, it's like something that my mother did that was really, really great. My parents were separated when I was two years old. But instead of saying, you know, forget that, I'm going to be on my own. She's like, I'm going to stay in the same city for at least 20 years. Right. So that my son can have a good relationship with his father. Yeah. And even though it was like really hard for her and like her, most of her ties were with his dad. Yeah. In, in a city that she didn't know with no yeah. friends. She, she had to make a new family right which then those people all became my family yeah and uh th- these were a lot of the really incredible women that you know I-, I grew up with um but also along with growing up with my dad because mm-hmm. i could have just not known him yeah like you know? had she done the thing that most women do which it's nothing wrong <sighs> you do what's best for you and your you child. do what's best for you and your child um, but the fact that she chose to stay so that you could have a great relationship with your dad is just like super commendable. Because yeah. I don't think a lot of women would do that. Because a lot or of women think would think way. like, I need to do what's best for me and my child to take care of my child. And for a lot of women, that means moving closer a- to their family. Away from that man. Yeah. I mean, not even assuming that he's trash, but a lot of the time it's like, you need to be near your family. You need to be near your people to get that support and help. Um, but your mom, and I was going to say earlier, like just the things that your parents have valued have set you up for immense success just because of the things that they value. Um, and that they fought to enforce those things in your life. Um, yeah, it was just really cool that she, you know, thought that way. Yeah. I didn't, there's so many things that I'm, I'm realizing that my mom did for me, like in advanced generationally socially personally you know physically that um have kind of shaped the person that i've become and even very little things that 
I value or want to do to and for our kids that mm-hmm. it's it's just it's just turning out to be very special. It's like, you know, it's it's really cool. Yeah. Well, for this week, the the question we've been talking about our moms and being mom and being mommed, mothered. Well, yeah, being no me being a mom. <laughs> you being a mom. You cannot talk about being a mom. I cannot talk <laughs> about being a mom. But uh, we know mothers are very valuable. And um, the question for this week, just for mood, is what does it mean to be a good mother? Like, what is a good mother? I know a lot of the things Mm. that I was talking about are kind of things that contribute to that because I feel like I have a good mother. You do. (laughs) Like I can, I can confirm it <laughs> objectively. So some of those line items that I definitely feel would go into that, but I think that your experience is definitely incredibly valuable, if not more valuable, because you're you're a part of the the lineage of mothers. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm like technically that's a, in there. It's like the all for one, you know, type of type yeah. of thing, where or one for all, where it's like you have a mother. But then you you also <laughs> and are then I a have mother. a mother. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I have a mother, and then I have a mother, and then I am a mother. And then you are a mother. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, like I, I guess I will say the one thing from my biological mom that I've learned makes a good mother is being able to remove yourself from the equation sometimes if that's not what's best for your child. Um, you know, as much as it sucks like sometimes who you are might be at odds with what is best for your child in the long run and having the strength to like remove yourself from that situation so that your child can have the best um like that that sometimes that means being a good mom like that's what's good that's what's being good you know and then from you know my mom who raised me I think that like just loving your child, whether they are womb or not, um, you know, that I think that makes you a good child, like not putting an not putting a limit on where your child came from, um, because if you don't know, I'm adopted, I'm the youngest of five and like nobody would ever know that unless I told them. <laughs> Usually people don't assume that I'm like the adopted child just right. because like my parents love all of us the same if not me a little bit more yeah like well it was it was weird for me finding that out because you are kind of low-key the favorite yeah they won't say it they they, they won't the say it that you know they they try to keep it pretty you know spiritual political you know correct yeah. but um you i know. feel like i'm the favorite and i think being able to do that like make all of your children feel like they're the favorite. Like that is a special talent and gift as a mom. Yeah, it is. And I think that both of your parents and your mom specifically, as I was learning about you from them, Mm -hmm. um, something that made a lot of sense to me was that like your mom spoke about you with the sentiments that, it's like you don't hear her talking about you like this, but the way <laughs> my mom talks about me, it's like your mom talks about you. And I was like, hmm. 
well, that's good because yeah. I know the way my mom feels about me because she's very vocal yeah. uh, with me and anybody you meet. You're going to know. Yeah. You're going to know. And I love my little brother. <laughs> I love little Mark. He is my baby. <laughs> He's so, your baby. So none of that stuff matters. But it's like if you meet my mom, you're going to know how she feels. And um, I think that when a mother desires her children, even though they're, they they kind of belong to the mother anyway. Yeah. Um, it's super, super special because there are things that come out of that desire that um they're just not manufactured whether yeah. whether whether they're good or bad um i think that a mother desiring her children is is a very powerful tool for growth and protection and edification and um providing a safe space for the child right. in the future because you can never, you there's some things that you just can't take away um, that are between a mother and child. Yeah. And, um, you know, even though. Yeah, I wonder if my siblings all feel like they're the favorite. I don't know. I feel like they probably do. Maybe they just do. Just because of, like, the way my mom is. Like, they probably do. And, you know, my siblings have led different lives than I've, you know, led. Um, You've caused them the least grief. I mean, no, I don't know if I would say that. I don't <laughs> Maybe. Know. Um, I just caused them different grief, and true. I think that I don't know. Like one would, I think one would think because of the way the rest of the world operates that the rest of my siblings would kind of be like, you know, less than. But I don't, I don't think they feel that just because of how my mom is. Well, like I'm her being a good mom. I don't think they ever felt less than. They didn't. And I remember talking to your brother. This was after, I think, you telling me you were adopted. And I didn't know if I really believed it or not. <laughs> wow, you had to go but I think fact like, check like, me. I think, like, Patrick forgot. Yeah, no, he so always So, at that forgets. time, like, when huh? he was explaining, he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, <laughs> you know, she your siblings. He's like, Adopted? what and i'm like she's definitely lying <laughs> she's de- she's Dang. totally lying Focus. but um you know uh, something that my mom told me from a very early age which i learned that this is not how everyone thinks and you know blended families are they're just a, fe- a very special unique thing but my mom told me oh yeah i guess our family is technically blended too yeah weird. incredibly bl- blended even more so yeah but weird. someone told me that little Mark was my half brother, and I remember not understanding that. And my oh, mom, oh yeah, that, yeah, that took a second for me. My to mom completely, even though I didn't bring it up to be like, I yeah, was just contentious. like, yeah, I wasn't trying to be contentious. I just heard it, and so I repeated it, and she like got in my face yeah. about it. She was like, "You do not have a half brother. That is not." a thing yeah you are not my half son you are my son he is my son he is your brother and that's the end of it she's like i don't ever want to hear you use that term you don't ever need to be thinking that way period like that's yeah that is not in your vocabulary that is not a part of our family that's not that's just not a thing yeah and i remember you know 
after that, not that I had felt any differently, but then taking that on, it's like, if we're family, we're family. There are no sort of borders or barriers. And so like my brother is, is my brother and he's always been. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, oh yeah. I mean, I guess not even technically, but I mean, I guess that's what everybody else. Yeah, it's like I guess as. someone could think yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want, but like even when we say parents, like or when I talk about my in-laws, like <coughs> it's never like you know in separate weird little like subgroups. Yeah, like silos and. Yeah, it's just like he's got his parents in Atlanta, and then he's got his parents here in Chicago, <laughs> yeah, and it's... we're not talking about step anything's or you know half anything. That's that's just the way the way the family is, and yeah. then I remember like taking that on myself so that I didn't allow myself to think that way but also I didn't allow people externally to have those thoughts either and so if someone met little Mark and they knew me they would know that little Mark is his brother right and that's that's all (laughs) that's all we're saying that's all you need to know about that she wrote you know and I think that in the same way your your parents like had that same mentality towards all of your all of your siblings because they they speak about you as a unit. Yeah. They don't speak we about definitely you come as a package. <laughs> any other way. And so thinking about, you know, your oldest sister and the twins and your brother, it's kind of like when I started to not interrogate but learn more about the family <laughs> history, I was like, oh, that's where they came from. This is where they came from. Here's where she came from. Okay, so it's not the way I thought, but then it's like, you're never going to get yeah, that. Yeah, you would never know. It's like, all you know is that the Bouillet's got five kids. Yeah. that That's what you five know. Five whole crazy kids. Five, five whole crazy kids. That's all you know. Oof. But like family, like a real family, makes it possible. And this helps me understand other things that you can you can come from someplace and still be like a part of a tribe yeah. indigenously. Like yeah. it can still be your tribe even yeah. though you came from someplace like, even else. Even though my last name was different until I got married. Your brother didn't like, buy that for a I'm long still time. a bouye. Like <laughs> Patrick would be like, her name's Pearson. She's a bouye. Yeah. <laughs> she's a bouye. Okay. Don't Yeah. It's tech. She's a bouye. I mean, honestly, I think we had the conversation. I think my mom asked me once, like, do you want to change your name? Um, from Pearson to Bouye, and I was like, no, because if I get married, I'm just going to change again. It don't make sense to waste money huh, doing that. You're so funny. <laughs> you cheap and me. Cheap, cheap. I was like, why am I going to... Cheaper scale. Why am I going to change you my name? You are so cheap. <laughs> it don't make no sense. But yeah, like, I've I've always been a Bouye. Like, that's, that's just... It is what it is. And I think that being able to create that magic as a mom, <sighs> that's just a talent, man. Like... Because even, I mean, I don't think I play favorites with, like, no. I love both of my kids. Like, I have my favorite girl and my favorite boy. That's why I can't have any more. It's just like Mimi. <laughs> yeah. I cannot. <laughs> Mimi's a trip. Shout out to Mimi, who yeah. has her first, her favorite firstborn, my, my her favorite maternal born on her birthday. grandmother. Uh, we have, there are three grandchildren on that side. She has two children. One child has one child. One child has two children. So she has three grandsons. Mm-hmm. And all three of us are her number one grandsons. Number one son. Yeah. It's, uh, I was the number one firstborn. Stefan is the number one born on her 50th mm-hmm. birthday. <laughs> 
and little Mark is her number one baby. Yeah. And so if you ask her yeah. who's the number one grandson, she's going to say, I have three number one grandsons. <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> my number one firstborn, oh, my number man. one born on my 50th birthday, and my number one baby. And there's no... Yeah, you can't tell her otherwise. You can't tell her otherwise. There's you're not no, going to do that math with her. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to want to because she'll she'll tell you maybe twice. Uh, maybe maybe twice you know but after that it's gonna be like look man you know like <laughs> i told you i told you i got three number ones so quit playing with me you know so oh, goodness. it's like yeah if you're a mom like you you got powers yeah you do you, you have the ability to use that power for good well that's it for i guess for the culture no, you said we happy weren't doing Mother's it because we were doing Day. all this stuff. Yeah, happy uh, Mother's Day. <laughs> this week in Affect the Culture, um, the Chicago Gospel Music Festival starts May 31st at the end of this month, and it's going to go until June 1st at the Chicago Cultural Center and the Millennium Park. Um, it's completely for free. Wow, do it. Yeah, go there, guys. Go visit it. Go visit a little piece of culture. Speaking of Mother's Day, I'm sure somebody's mama would be encouraged to go to that. So mm-hmm. take somebody's you know, take, mama. Take your mama. Take your grandmama. Take your baby mama. Take us. Okay. I mean, if y'all are there, do that. Um. Also, this week, if you didn't get a chance to see him at AIC, um, the Art Institute of Chicago. Yes. Then you still have an opportunity to see Dawood Bay's uh work. He has Birmingham, Alabama, 1963, which is the title of the project. I don't know. Yeah, project. Yeah, project. At the MOCP, the Museum of Contemporary Photography, until yes. July 7th. Yes, and I think you said that's the one that has free days, right? Um. So the Art Institute of Chicago, he's got shows at two museums. Well, not anymore. Not at the Art Institute. That one's over. It left already? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I wish I had known that. I mean, we talked. Dang it. Okay. Yep. I didn't know that. Don't I didn't know there was a date. Guys. Oh, my gosh. Don't don't okay. be like Chip. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> listen to what <laughs> Ashley says. I did not listen. And so. That's crap. true. You didn't listen to Dang the podcast. If you were listening to oh the podcast, you would have known. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to see that so bad. You would have known. Well, don't oh. be like Chip. Yeah, then I'll have to buy the art him. book. Go ahead and catch Dawood Bay at the Museum of Contemporary Photography, free. guys, for free until July 7th. Yeah, don't be a broke boy like me and miss out on life-changing yeah. work because you didn't listen Sad to the boy. podcast. Sad boy. Um, also, Museum in the Park is going to start up, guys. They posted their schedule, and the movie list is available now if you go to chicagoparkdistrict.com. Um, those are going to start in June 7th, and if you don't know or if you aren't from Chicago... Um, the city will host movies kind of in the park for free almost every weekend um, in various neighborhoods. And so it's a cool way to see more of our city. It's a cool way to meet more people. It's also a really cool way to see some movies for free. Okay. So don't be square. Be there. They start June 7th in the heat of the night. So go ahead and find a park near you. Find a park, I guess, not near you if you really want to explore Chicago. And go see a movie, guys. Sounds great. Merry Mother's Day. Yeah, Merry Mother's Day. Other than that, um, yeah, I guess 
also affect the culture by being nice to your mom for Mother's Day. Or somebody's know. mama. Yeah, if you don't have a mom, and I know that Mother's Day can be a really tough time for a lot of people. So, yes. you know, it doesn't have to be your mom that you love on. You can love on somebody else's mom. Shoot, you might be somebody's mom. Celebrate you yourself. Might be somebody's mom. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do. It's so funny because as the non-matriarch in the family, I just assume we're going to do whatever like my family wants to do. I always forget about myself. Like, oh yeah, I probably should like, you know, try to treat myself a little bit. I'll try and go to medieval times. Wink, wink. Um, but yeah, you know, treat somebody's mama, whether that be yours or someone else's or yourself. Um, and yeah, as always, our music is by the gracious Mr. Eddie Supa. Which, if you didn't know, he's got some new music out. And it's really good. It's super good. He'd been sitting on an album for a year, but now we're getting new tracks. Yeah, we're getting completely new tracks. So if you want to check him out, you can check him out in the Mood playlist, which we've updated. And you can also chat with us about it in our Discord, or on Twitter, or on Instagram, or on Facebook. All of that. Yeah, all of that. You can find it. it in the show notes or... Pretty much on any of those platforms um, at Mood the Podcast. Other than that, I think we are done. Transition. No, we've already transitioned. So I guess this is like technically done. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. Bye.